All right. It is Sunday morning. We get to worship God together and dive into his word. But before we do that, can we please show some love to our fathers in the room? Wish them a happy Father's Day. Give it up for your dads. Love it. We take Father's Day very serious here. We have root beer out there in the lobby. Um, I might even have some during the service here. We, uh, you know, I even wore my new Target flannel for Father's Day. We take it very serious here. This is going to be a great day. Um, I want to just bring up my Father's Day picture. There it is. Yeah, isn't that cute? So that is Josh Hoosman's baby jet. <laughs> Jillian and I actually don't have kids. We have a chihuahua. But um, so this is, this is Jet. I took this picture, or Wilson did, on a Mother's Day a couple years ago, and we sent it to one of my buddies who lives in Nashville. I'd, I'd only been a month since, I, since I'd seen him. And he's like, man, you had a kid? Let's <laughs> try to do the math. But anyway, um, the reason... I am speaking for you today on Father's Day, and the reason I have authority to speak on Father's Day is because I happen to have the world's best father. I give you Gary Maitland. He's wearing a chain around his belt, guys. My dad is the toughest. He can beat up your dad. He's the best. He's a Vietnam War veteran, and he, uh, when he got back from the war, he bought this Harley, and he rode across the United States with his best friend, Pat, and uh, he's awesome. He loves sailing. Uh, he's actually a like, I don't know if there's like a professional. There he is. This is him sailing in his long johns. But anyway, if, if you've never been sailboat racing, it's like being on a motorboat, but going six mile an hour at a 45 degree angle. No, it's actually very fun. My dad loves Jesus with all his heart, but he does cuss like a sailor when he races. Uh, this is kind of us growing up. And then I think we've even got one where my mom and dad visited me at Taj Mahal when I was living in India after college. They're very supportive. My parents are amazing. And my dad has taught me so much. Um, my dad prayed with me every night as a kid, every night. And I know he did because when he'd be out of town, I was worried that mom didn't know how to do it right. Every night. My dad is not afraid to uh, hug me in public and tell me he loves me. We have a saying here at Mercy Road to live boldly and love deeply. That's my dad. He's the best. He's the best. And these days, my dad pushes the Walk for Emmaus. Anybody ever heard of the Walk for Emmaus? or uh, the Great Banquet, it's an amazing pilgrimage. Like I ended up going on it because my dad sells it like Amway because that's where he heard the voice of God the most clearly was on this walk for Emmaus. So he's like, everybody has to get there and experience it. And he's right, it's an amazing experience. You should try it out. So that's what we're talking about today is the voice, hearing the voice of God. And uh, before we go much further, I just want to kind of warm up your brains and make sure that you guys know how to decipher the voice of God from one of the most common voices we hear in America. I give you Bible or Bieber. This is our exercise. Warm you guys up. Okay, so I'm going to read this. You have to tell me if this is a Justin Bieber song or if this is from the Psalms. I put my heart into your hands. Here's my soul to keep. What do you think? Bible. We're hearing Bible and Bieber. <laughs> Come on, folks. We got to hear the voice of God. Next one. All beautiful you are, my darling. There is no flaw in you, Bible or Bieber. Bieber. <laughs> it's Bible. Okay. I think I just said Biebler. It's kind of a cross between the two. So that would work as an answer. Um, great. So we're going to talk about hearing the voice of God. Last week, anybody get to come last week? Pastor Darren, the pub pastor, spoke. It was awesome. I actually need to recap just a little bit from his to make sure that we can build off that foundation. Darren uh, mentioned how God could, would, and does speak to us. He desires intimacy and relationship with us, so we need to take time to invest into that relationship. He pointed out how lame would a relationship be if you, if you, you know, are um, coming home from work and you ask your spouse, hey, do you want to do dinner tonight? And your spouse is like, I have a to-do list on the fridge for you. 
Or you're like, hey, I haven't seen you for like a week, you know, work is crazy, let's go on a date, spend some time together, and your spouse is like, I'll text you some advice. But that's what we want from God. We just want advice. We just want a punch list. We don't really want to take the time to know God. That's some of what Darren talked about. Three ways that God speaks to us, the written word, life circumstances, and the still small voice. Great. So this week, we're talking about where is the voice of God? And I, uh, I think that you're probably going to assume I'm going to talk about solitude. I'm going to talk about going on retreats and pilgrimages. Those do help. It's a great place to listen for the voice of God. But what I want to tell you today is where you are in relationship to God has way more to do with your ability to hear God than anywhere you go to listen. Where you are in relationship to him. And um, I want to just start by saying God invites all of us into his inner circle. If you didn't know that, God actually desires intimacy and relationship with you more than you do with him. So how do we find our way into God's inner circle? I mean, how do we get there? Is there a road map? Well, I did find a relationship map from an elementary kid. And you'll notice here, this is what a relationship map looks like. We've got this student in the middle and Eliza's in the inner circle with dad, mom, and grandma Jane. You notice grandpa Tyler, though, he's like way out in the Northeast quadrant. So um, I don't know what he did, but he is not in the inner circle. So we are actually going to use a very poor graphic that I made later today to talk about where the voice of God is loudest and clearest. We'll get to that. But before we do, I want to read one of my favorite passages in the Bible that I have chewed on for a long time. Intimate fellowship with Yahweh is for those who fear him. And he makes known his covenant with them. I'm going to read that again. Intimate fellowship with Yahweh is for those who fear him. And he makes known his covenant with them. I love that translation of that too. Boy, that's something to chew on for a while. So that's what we're diving into today. Would you pray with me? God, we love you. And we know that you desire intimate covenant relationship with us. It's not that we would just hear your voice. It's that we would know you that we would know what you're up to, that we would know what our role is in the story that you're writing in our generation. And we want to be on your inner circle, God. So open our ears, open our hearts, and pray that we could surrender our will to yours today, God, that we would know what it's like to live um, the life of Abraham. Amen. Abraham is who we're talking about today. You want to guess why? It's Father's Day. He is the father of our our Judeo-Christian faith. Everybody know the song? Oh, Father Abraham had many sons, many sons had Father Abraham. He had two. (laughs) Worth mentioning. Later it says before he died, he had another wife named Keturah, and they they had like six kids or something. We don't hear anything about them. So really two worth mentioning. Their names were Ishmael and Isaac. That's right. So Father Abraham did not have many kids. He was not a great teacher. He was not a military leader. He wasn't even a warrior. He wasn't a healer. He wasn't a prophet. He's a prophet. He had a great. He is known for his faith and relationship with God. That's what Abraham's known for. That's what he's known for. So um, I want to ask the question too. Oh, yeah. So his family tree goes all the way back to Adam, we know, and it goes all the way to Jesus. In the book of Romans, we see that we, even though we're not of Hebrew descent, that we're grafted into the tree of Abraham. He's the father of our faith. He's, uh, he's the one who has the tree that we're grafted into. So uh, God spoke. I want to point out this. We're going to read Genesis 12, and I'm going to point a few things out that we need to take away here. But let's read Genesis 12 together. The Lord had said to Abram, because his name wasn't Abraham yet. He hadn't got that far in the covenant. Go from your country, your people, and your father's household to the land I will show you. 
I will make you into a great nation and I will bless you. I will make your name great and you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you and whoever curses you, I will curse and all peoples on the earth will be blessed through you. So Abram went as the Lord had told him and Lot went with him. He was 75 years old when he set out from Haran. Okay, there we go. So I want to point out that God spoke way more to Abraham about who he is and about this covenant he wanted to establish with him than anything he wanted him to do. So like Darren mentioned last week, we need to be ready. What does God want to talk about when we do hear his voice? Just giving you a hint here, he might want to talk a lot more about who you are and what he's doing than what anything he needs you to do for him. So what did Abraham do? He left for Canaan. He waited a long time for a promised son. And when said promised son was supposed to be sacrificed, he willingly took his son to an altar to sacrifice until God spoke again and said, don't, I can tell that you fear God. Here's a ram instead. That's about it. If you want to know, if you want to base your life story on what you did, that's about what he did, guys. He made some mistakes along the way that we know that he had Ishmael. It was an attempt for him to fulfill God's promise on his own terms. But throughout Abraham's life, we see this cycle. Abraham heard from God. He always believed God. And anytime God would finally ask him to do something, he would almost immediately obey, even when it came to sacrificing his son or the covenant of circumcision, which I don't know, I would sign up for in my mid-70s or 80s, however old he was. But he was always obedient to God immediately. Amazing. Um, have any of you ever... Oh, first of all, do you know how annoying it would be to hang out with somebody that believed what God told about Abraham? Let's go back to that blessing verse here real quick. I'll make you into a great nation and I'll bless you. I'll make your name great and you'll be a blessing and... And the next one, I'll bless those who bless you. Whoever curses you, I'll curse. And all the peoples on the earth, man, I don't want to hang out with that guy if he believes that. Hey, don't be cursing me today, brother. Don't you know? I mean, God curses whoever I curse, you know. So I'm just saying, I'm going to be a great nation, guys. I don't know if you know me. I'm kind of a big deal. He wholeheartedly believed what God told him. And it made him live differently. If you believed what God says about you, you might live totally differently as well, I might add. So here we go. Have any of you ever heard of Abraham's dad? If your father Abraham, I mean, if your father Abraham's father, you've got to be a huge deal, right? Anybody know Abraham's dad's name? Anybody? No, because there's only like two verses in the Bible, it seems like, that talk about him. His name is Terah, and we're going to read just a little bit of Terah's story. This is right before the call to Abraham. So Terah took his son, Abram, and his grandson, Lot, son of Haran and his daughter-in-law Sarai, because her name wasn't Sarah yet, because the covenant hadn't come yet, the wife of his son Abram, and here we go. Together they set out from Ur of the Chaldeans to go to Canaan. But when they came to Haran, they settled there. Terah lived to be 205 years old, just a young buck, and he died in Haran. Terah settled in Haran, and he died there. Did you notice where he set out for it says here that they set out from Ur of the Chaldeans to go to Canaan. Do you think there's any chance that God spoke to Terah too? We don't know. The scriptures don't really say, but I think it's really interesting that where God had called Abraham to go is the same place that we see Terah setting out for. Terah settled. What does it look like to settle? In your relationship with God, do you think you've possibly settled? It might look something like this. Um, you know, I've got this degree. This is what I've done for 30 years. 
Like, this is who I am. This is what I do. That's settled. Like, that's my job. That's my identity. It might look like, um, you know, this has been my role in society that I've always played. And if I don't do it, nobody will do it. And that's, that's kind of settled. That's who I am. You know, I've got this plan for my future, for my kids' future. And they're going to go to this college. They're going to do this for a living. It's settled. We've settled this. I can promise you that it's impossible to experience the kind of relationship that Abraham had with God when you've settled. It is. It's impossible. And I know that our goals are, are, are good, they're noble, you know, happiness, avoid pain, comfort, establish our kids' future and financial success, it's good. In fact, American churches talk a lot about managing finances. We have to be good stewards of our wealth. We, we really ingrain that. I mean, in, in fact, we value wise life decisions. We try to make sure that people are making good life decisions. If Abraham were in here teaching on the Voice series right now, he would offend so many of your cultural values, guys. So many of them. He clearly is not a responsible adult. He didn't pack up his family and go to Florida for the winter. He literally unsettled his entire life and lived unsettled the rest of his life, and he inflicted upon his family. There were a lot of people traveling with him, living in tents all those years. How much room is there for God to lead you when you've settled? God, this is where I am. This is what I do. That's what my kids will do. This is right. This is responsible. There, it's settled. Now bless me. Settled. I got my stake in the ground. We're doing this right. We've got a good thing going here. Bless me. God wants to unsettle you. But I want to ask, what does it look like when God unsettles us? We see it a little bit in Abraham's story. Um, I want to just say that he starts by getting your attention, and most likely he's already begun to unsettle you. I think some of you in this room can think of times where God has begun to pull you out of your norm and your settled place. Tim Elmore, a guy that does a, a lot of teaching on purpose, I love these four examples he gives. Um, number one is one of the ways that God gets our intention is through a thunderbolt. We see that in the story of Saul or Paul. That's not as common. That might be, you know, 10% or 5% of Christians. We don't really know. Open doors, a little more common. We see that with Esther. She just had open doors, opportunities in front of her that she walked through. Call from birth. Some people have that. I've met um, one of my mentors actually had a call from birth. His grandma and mom both felt like he was supposed to be a missionary, named him Jim Peters, and he was a missionary his whole life. Growing awareness. This is pretty common. Joseph, you know, just had a growing awareness of his identity, of his calling, and how God was getting his attention. I would like to invite to the stage our second contestant for The Voice Fake Game Show. You guys ready? Aaron Sunheimer, get up here. <laughs> Woo! Thank you, sir. Guys, this is Aaron's first Father's Day, so please give it up. Oh, here, I'll hold your microphone. And we got to make sure we hold the mic up so the online campus can hear the clink. Thank you. Thank you for those joining us online. The root beer is great. This way you got to come to church in person. I love trying to convict the online campus. I just think it's funny. I, I'm so glad they join us, but um, I always try to make little jokes towards them, and they probably hate me for it. Um, here we go. We're going to talk about the unsettling process of Aaron Sunheimer, but before we do, he, he just had his first kid like six months ago, so he's first father's day. I didn't exciting. have him. My wife did. Well, somebody had to. And so he's a firefighter, manly, manly, yep, yep, and a great public servant. And so as far as military, I always try to get this straight, because you've been in two branches now, haven't you? Like, tell us, which one are you? Okay, well, okay, which one do you want us to go by right now? I don't know. Make something up. Okay. He's in the military. And uh, so he's a man's man. Army. Here we go. But what I love about Aaron's story is that he doesn't have all the answers right now. Aaron is living in the unsettled space that I'm talking about, 
and he has more questions than answers. So we're going to figure out a little bit about how he got there and what that looks like. So last year, Aaron, you had an experience that unsettled you. Can you tell us about that and what your relationship with God was like leading up to that? Wow. Okay. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. So um, I would say that it all started um, when Chris Lambert came last year and he was talking about um, what he's doing in Detroit, Michigan with Like Model. Mm-hmm. So um, my wife and I, we kind of talked a little bit and uh, she was humongous pregnant, beautiful, but humongous <laughs> pregnant. <laughs> Sorry, Brittany. And um, so she couldn't <laughs> go, so but I went. And I think that just through a series of events with that, um, he started to um, work on my heart and just say, uh, yeah. you know, I'm sending you somewhere. I'm not going to tell you, but mm-hmm. you're going to go or else. <laughs> <laughs> and what was your relationship with God like leading up to that moment? Um, I think it was just kind of like um, it was more of like an a la carte. Hey, Gunner, keep it, keep it down a little bit. Thank you. <laughs> Dad's trying to talk. Um, His name isn't Gunner. Sorry. Should have been. <laughs> Should have been. I agree. So I think it was just kind of um, <laughs> an a la carte relationship where I would pick and choose what I wanted to do, and God was trying to talk to me, but I just I either wasn't, A, ready to listen, or B, I just, I wanted to do my own thing. Yeah. So Yeah, totally. Totally. And um, so about six months ago, you became a dad, <laughs> and isn't this when you're supposed to start settling down, making wise life choices, and saving, and being a responsible adult, and now you're talking about unsettling and... I really hope my parents aren't watching this. Or... <laughs> yeah. 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 So, um, yeah, I, I don't know. I, I think that, um, you know, being in the military at 18, you get told what to do and when to do it and how to do it. And so I didn't really have to make any decisions for myself other than, um, you know, just <laughs> going. Yeah. But... Um, so I think that, you know, after getting off of active duty, that, that was when, um, like, the unsettling kind of started mm. because I had the freedom to, um, you know, kind of figure out what life was really all about. And yeah. that's not saying anything against anybody who chooses to serve because yeah. I'm still in the military. Mm-hmm. But um, I think it was just kind of a series of events through that. Yeah, great. And then um, I'm going to do just one more here. If I can read my own typing. Give me an easy one. Okay, okay, this one's a little easier. Um, what is your favorite Monty Python movie? I'm just joking. This is church. Don't answer that. Okay, here we go. Um, so you've served in the military, worked as a firefighter your entire adult life. There's a lot of identity actually wrapped up in, in that. So yeah. tell us a little bit about what that could look like as you unsettle. Are you willing to even unsettle your identity? Yeah, that's, that's something that um, I would say that has probably been the biggest struggle. Um, you know, I, I actually texted Eric last night, and I was telling him I found a, a paper that I wrote in high school my junior year about wanting to become a firefighter. My dad um, served for 35 years, 36. Wow. So if he's listening, sorry I messed that up. But um, <laughs> Fact check. Yeah, right. He will, too. Um, so <laughs> I think that just kind of trying to figure out um, what else, what's the next step and, um, you know, doing something for 15 years uh, it, it's hard to separate yourself from that. And yeah. I don't know exactly what, what the next step is going to look like. And yeah, the identity thing is, is real. It's big, man. How, how is following God in this season different than it was before? 
Um, this season, I think it's just more of um, fully surrendering. It's not um, the a la carte, like, okay, this is what I yeah. want to do. Because I feel like, you know, for me, God has continued to put these um, these life events in my life leading up to where I'm at right now. And yeah. um, I feel like surrendering, the surrender that I'm doing now, uh, I'm actually willing and able to listen and not just kind of push it on the back burner because it That's continues awesome. to come up and resurface and, yeah. and be on the forefront. So. That's awesome. Brother, thank you. Give it up for Aaron. Woo! Thank you. For, for leading us to that place and painting a picture of what it can feel like when God unsettles you. And I think it's only fair, you know, I mean, we're, we're talking about hearing the voice of God. I, I think if I can voice some of my questions is, well, what does he want to talk about? And why would he possibly want to do something like that to a responsible, hardworking American? Why would he do that? So why does God want to unsettle us? We're going to revisit our passage one more time and cruise through it. I'm really trying to get the call to Abraham deep in your soul here. I'll make you into a great nation. I'll bless you, and I'll make your name great, and you'll be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you, and whoever curses you, I will curse, and all the peoples on the earth will be blessed through you. That's good. Now, we're going to read through five things that we're seeing here that God wants to do. Number one is identity. There was a shift in identity. Do you guys believe that God knows your true identity and purpose better than you, that it's actually found in him? He wants to tell you who you really are. Number two, we're going to cruise through these. We see, that God, we see that God's revealing his will. He wants to tell Abraham about what he's doing on the earth and open his eyes to the work and invite him into it. Number three, we see that God wants to establish him. If you want to know what establish looks like, that's like protect, bless, provide, open doors. The next one, we see that God wants to use Abraham to bless others. It's not about you. God actually wants to bless others through you. And finally, the last one is he wants to leave a legacy. He wants you to be a part of the story he's writing. We have so little time on this earth that legacy is a gift. And you might think that God needs a big runway to leave a legacy through you. Abraham didn't even start till he was 75. He can do it extremely fast. What I want to point out, though, are those five things that we just read they remind me a lot of what parents do. When I was a kid, my parents told me about my identity, what Maitlands are like, and how Grandpa Maitland, who runs Maitland Motors, the Ford dealership in Portland, thank you, how I played for the baseball team, how he sold so many Fords that my grandpa got to meet Henry Ford. And my mom would tell me, you know, music runs deep in our family because, you know, your grandmother, my mom, like she, she had the first television, like she was the first woman on television in Cleveland, I think. And she had an organ like um, music TV show she did. She was so good at teaching Suzuki piano and violin, she got to study under Suzuki. That's pretty cool. My family has like this story going on that I get to join into. They also uh, point out what's already happening and, and how I can be a part of what they're doing. They obviously point out that they want to establish me. What parent doesn't want to establish their kids, provide for them, protect them, establish them, and to have their kids leave a greater legacy, to take the family name further? I think that God wanted to be Abraham's dad. I think God looked down and saw this 75-year-old bearded child and was like, you lost your dad, Tara. I want you to come out from there and be my kid. That's what I think. Jesus talks about to enter the kingdom of heaven to really experience it. We have to be like a child. I think Abraham was just as willing to accept that invitation. Do you know that God wants to be your dad? Something I can't stand about America 
is that we have no respect for our elders. And this sounds like I'm an old man, you know, just, just bitter and talking about this, but we really don't. When I lived in Asia for a year, I noticed what a culture that does respect its elders looks like, and it's extremely different from ours. Just two months ago, I was, um, do, I was on the mission field, and there was a volunteer there who was, you could tell he didn't want to be on the trip. He was 25 years old, extremely bitter, mad at his dad, no relationship with his dad. They hadn't really been talking for a while. And he just talks about how his dad didn't know anything, how he's an idiot. His dad is extremely successful, has a family business, is, is very wealthy. And, and this guy's wondering why, oh, my dad doesn't want to give me any money. And he's just this and he's that. And he's wondering why he's not a part of the legacy of that family. He's lost, lonely, bitter, afraid for the future, not hopeful. Pretty much the opposite of what God wanted to do for Abraham. How do we get into God's inner circle? I showed you the map of how an elementary student mapped out their relationships. I wanna show you what a relationship map of God looks like. And if you wanna know where the voice of the Lord is loudest, it's in the middle there, where God is God, where he's Lord. That's where he speaks the loudest. Why? Because as we read in Psalm 25, we know that intimacy, intimate fellowship with Yahweh is for those who fear him. And he makes known his covenant with them. So let's talk about these different zones on the relationship map. What is the friend zone? The friend zone looks like this. I totally believe in Jesus. He's great. Sometimes I give him some money when he needs it. Sometimes he gives me money or works a miracle for me when I need it. The friend zone, we've all been there. The next one is the savior. He saved me from my sins and old life. I'm not afraid to admit I needed him at one point and that he saved me. So now I'm good to go. I'll be with him forever in heaven one day. Now I just worry about the problems non-Christians have. Savior. The next one is rabbi. I'm a follower of the way. I believe and follow the teachings of Christ. I help the poor and feed the hungry. I put my faith into action. I'm kind, loving, and charitable to others. I wear my WWJD bracelet at all times. That's pretty good. You know, and I don't mean to make light of these, but this is just where we're at with God, some of us. King, everything I have is from him. This is pretty serious. This is varsity. Uh, Everything I have is from him. So he has full access to my time, talents, and treasures. There's only one king and I'm his most loyal subject. He's given me wealth and influence so I can use it to further his borders of his kingdom on this earth. I worship loud and proud. I'm not ashamed of my faith. I even name my dealership Kingdom Come Cars. Good thing God's got me on his team. This is the last one though. This is where intimacy is. Woe to me, what is mankind that you are mindful of them? Human beings that you would care for them. I was made by him and for his glory and purposes. The earth is God's footstool. My life is but a blade of grass. Here today and gone tomorrow, my good deeds are filthy rags to him. There's no life apart from him. The Lord gives and the Lord takes away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. I fear and tremble in the presence of this mighty God. That's the kind of place where Abraham related to God. Do you see why grace and mercy are incredibly powerful in Christian faith? God never changes in that circle. If we can look at that circle again, it's not God who changes. It's the way you perceive him. And if he is not Lord, if he is not God, if you do not revere him for who he really is, you will not experience intimacy with him. And if you want to know where his voice is loudest and clearest is to those who are willing to live in the unsettled places where you surrender your will for his. Fear of the Lord changes everything. It changes the way you're going to listen to God. It changes the way you read scripture. It changes the way you talk to others about God. Abraham responded to God's invitation into that inner circle, into that intimacy. I think a fair question is, God, if I did let you unsettle me, where would you take me? What would you do to me? This is what he did to Abraham. He told him who he was. He told him what he was doing. He established him. He blessed him. And he left a legacy through him. You know, maybe you don't think you're worthy of God's inner circle. But he invites every one of us there. That's why Jesus is such a big 
role. And I just want to make it clear, I'm not talking about salvation. You can totally keep God in the friend zone, but if your faith in salvation is in Jesus Christ, it's by faith you're saved. There's nothing you can do to earn your salvation. It's only the work on the cross that Jesus did that makes us right with our Father. But it is possible for you to treat him like a friend and never experience intimacy with him. I want our church to worship God. And if we're going to talk about the voice, I want it to be the voice of God that we're listening to. And I know where it is, and you know where it is, but it takes some unsettling to get there. And I want to ask you, what version of relationship with God have you settled for? What orbit of that relationship map have you sat back and thought, well, God, why won't you bless me like you do that guy? Or why won't you establish me? Why don't you speak to me? Why don't you give me more? And when you finally get to the center of that and you realize, whoa, is me, that I would even stand in the presence of such a mighty God. It is by his mercy and grace that I can even stand in this place. Do what you will with me. Write whatever story you want. Most commonly, the reaction that believers have to this challenge is they protect themselves from God. They protect themselves from God. We see it when Moses was trying to lead the Israelites into the promised land. They wanted to go back to Egypt. They had seen incredible miracles by the hand of God. They wanted to go back to Egypt. We see Jesus comes with a new covenant where God will literally make his dwelling. The kingdom of heaven has come to this earth and we can be a part of that story. This one generation, this last age of the church where the Holy Spirit is now poured upon every believer and it's just all bets are off. Here we go, the last age. And what do the Pharisees and the religious leaders want? They want to protect the temple. They want to protect the organization. They want to protect their their reputation, and their position. What is God doing, and do you want to be a part of it? So I'm going to ask the band to come back up, and the next part, it's, it's for us to worship. And I want to invite you to worship in a different way today. And the challenge today, if we could just stand to our feet, and we're going to put the lights down and close our eyes, and we're going to do an old-fashioned challenge here today. I think that God is calling a lot of us in this church to get unsettled because he's doing something in our generation that is so much bigger than us and what we can see that the only way we're going to hear his voice and be able to obey his voice is when we step into his inner circle. So if you could bow your heads, we're going to pray. God, we worship you. We adore you. And we acknowledge that you are very different from us. You are all powerful. You're perfect. You're an all-consuming fire. You're holy, God. We're nothing like you, but you've made us in your image and you've invited us into this place where we can be intimately related to you. You've invited us to join your family tree. And so you've been stirring some people in this room already, God. You've been trying to get their attention, but they don't know if they want to let you unsettle them. So I pray today, God, that you would unsettle us as a church. And I want to ask for a response today. If you desire to let God unsettle you and you want to surrender like Aaron just talked about earlier, and step into that inner circle with God and see what he can do in your life and the legacy he wants to write, I'm gonna ask you to raise your hand today. I'm just gonna ask you to raise your hand. If he's been working on you and, and what I'm talking about doesn't sound crazy and you're ready to just say, God, take it all. If you have to unsettle every part of my life from my identity to even what I do, where I live, I'm willing to at least throw my hands in the air and say, I surrender. I see you. There's a lot of hands going up today. We're built for this, guys. Jesus, I pray for these lives that you're setting apart. You're calling them in further. And you're going to begin to reveal yourself to them. You're going to get, begin to reveal them to themselves. And you're going to speak to them louder than you ever have. 
Just pray, Holy Spirit, that you meet with them in a real way as they step into the unsettled places. God, don't let us ever settle for less than what you offer us, Lord. We love you so much. Amen. I want to just share a personal story as we close. My honeymoon was one of the most unsettled places I'd ever been in my life. Uh, Jillian and I had just launched this music ministry. We were living in an RV. It looked like the one from Breaking Bad. It was tiny. And it was parked in a church's parking lot. There wasn't even full hookup for an RV. We didn't know how to live in an RV, really. And we're on this honeymoon in Phoenix, Arizona. And I wake up one morning. She's still asleep. And the full weight of the decision we made fell on me. And I was scared. I was unsettled. I stepped out saying, wherever you're going to do, whatever story you're going to write with my life, I'm ready. But then when I was standing there, I was really scared and I didn't want to be there. I said, God, where's my home? That RV is not my home. I don't even know what football team to root for. We just live on the road. We're like gypsies. Where's my home? And I felt like that, that um, sorry, I love gypsies. Uh, I felt like the, uh, the scripture that came to my heart was, you know, fox have dens, birds have nests, son of man has nowhere to lay his head. I'm like, that's not going to do it for me. Jesus, you're tougher than me. Where's my home? I want to see what my home is. I need something in my arms around. And as clearly as I can tell you today, in my heart came one single thought all at once. And it was that a sheep is only at home with his shepherd. You could put a sheep in the best mansion you've ever seen. And as soon as the shepherd leaves, it wants the shepherd. You could take a child to the best amusement park ever. And as soon as their dad leaves, the child wants to stay with dad. That's where we need to be.